Welcome back to The Francisca Show, where we encourage fellow artists and entrepreneurs to collaborate and support each other while sharing their stories. I am Francisca, a singer, composer, music producer, and also your host. Today, we have a special episode with three guests, three other fellow female Jewish podcasters. Okay, Women of Valor, Barry Mitzman. We have uh, Hani Arantroy with Boss Madel and Yael Trush with Jewish Latin Princess. Welcome to the show. This has been so nice. This is our third episode together. We have been hosting one episode for each of us to share on our podcast, and they're all on different topics. So definitely make sure to go to their podcasts to check out the other episodes from this series. I'd like to apologize in advance. We have a lot of distractions and interruptions and baby sounds, and I hope you bear with us. This is a fun episode. It was very stressful to get all four of us together at the same time. This is probably the hardest episode to listen to out of the four, so thank you in advance. But welcome to the show, ladies. Thank you. So nice to be here. So I decided to take an opportunity here to dedicate this podcast to really learn from you as much as possible. So this can be an educational experience for all our listeners out there, most of whom I think are trying to build their brand. They're either artists or aspiring artists and uh, and entrepreneurs because today you cannot be one without the other. So we're going to pick your brain. We're going to try to make it a little vulnerable. So if you could bring in some stories to illustrate a little bit more about your journey, because this podcast is all about breaking down the success and really trying to uh, figure out the nitty gritty of how to get there. And everyone defines it differently. So branding, that's the topic for today. Please introduce yourself when you speak. We're going to follow that pattern again. So we'll start with the first and obvious question. How did you start your brand? So that can be a lot of different things. And who would like to go first? I can. This is Hani Aaron Troy from Boss Madel. I also have a design business called Fine and Pink. That was a very, actually an interesting story behind how I got started in interior design. Um, I am Chabad. I grew up uh, Chabad, and uh, one of the main philosophies is kind of you use everything in this world for the good. So whatever you're given, talents, interests, there's this real sense of embracing uh, the physical world. So when I moved to New York, um, I signed up at FIT to study interior design, and I really needed a job. So I went looking for one in Soho, and I walked into the showroom. And there on the wall was a huge picture of the Chabad Lubavitcher Rebbe smiling down at me. And I thought, oh my goodness. So I started talking to the owner uh, and I said, that, that's my Rebbe. And he's like, really? And we started talking. He was from Montreal. He spoke French. I spoke French. He hired me on the spot, even though he wasn't even looking for someone. And I felt like that was my sign to, to really embrace this uh, passion that I had for design. So I went to school in FIT. I worked at the showroom. And then I took a little break when I had my kids. I was a stay-at-home mom. I loved it for a couple of years. And then one day I woke up and I thought, oh my gosh, I got to get back to design. I cannot do this anymore. So (laughs) 
I had a friend who needed some help with um, some decor in her house and she uh, hired me, so to speak, and I helped her out and one thing led to another. I actually do not like that phrase, but here I'm gonna tell you what happened. I got an internship with a designer and with a showroom. And um, that was quite humbling to uh, go back to being an intern after, you know, years of, of, of being a mom, two kids, of years of being, so to speak, in the business. But I felt like I had to dive back into this world that I had taken such a break from. And uh, I learned a lot. I learned a lot about the design scene in LA. And uh, then I opened my company, Fine and Pink. So that's a little bit about my design business. Podcast was started because I thought I can't be the only mom out there struggling to balance it all and trying to build her business and facing certain struggles. Um, and, you know, as well as, you know, embracing and celebrating certain triumphs. And I wanted to hear more women's stories about what, what it means to be a Jewish woman entrepreneur. And so that's where Boss Madel started. So that's kind of my story in a nutshell. So I guess I'll go next. I'm, I'm Yael. And um, so it's similar, actually, to Hani. Um, it's kind of serendipitous, but nothing in life is ever. I Jewish Latin princess as a brand started when I moved to Houston. I, I moved from Shanghai, China, and I got asked to lead and teach a group of Spanish-speaking Jewish women in Houston, Texas. And we've been teaching, we've been learning together for now five years. But at some earlier point in that journey, maybe a year at, into this, I... Um, I said, well, how can I communicate the messages of my classes and the beauty of Jewish life and the ability of integrate Judaism into every part of our life as women, as uh, mothers, as business owners, as entrepreneurs in a broader scale? And I said, well, I'm going to start a blog. And um, the blog started as a bilingual blog, Jewish Latin Princess. And then that evolved. That became a platform where I would again, integrate message of messages like Jewish wisdom and Jewish values into anything I talked about, which could be interior design, could be fashion, could be finance, could be parenting, cooking, whatever. And, um, and then that eventually led to the podcast where I decided to interview the world's most uniquely talented Jewish women. Um, but all throughout, I also started speaking and writing more. So but that's, that's really how it happened. It was just, you know, getting asked, um, knowing that I had already had previous experience when I was studying in business school, actually, when I was a, I was in grad school in Manhattan, I had gotten uh, asked to go up on the stage and speak several times, um, um, in front of large audiences um, about Judaism. And I always felt like, what? Like, why me? Like, I'm like, I, I never understood, but it was just things that happened. And then, then only fast forward many years later, do you see how all the dots connect, right? But, um, but yeah, that's how Jewish Latin Princess started. Okay. Um, Barry Mitzman here with a uh, seven-month-old who decided to wake up early from his nap. I am a... Uh, content creator, um, whether it be on social media in the form of Instagram stories, or as a, you know what, I am going to latch him on, and I know that you are going to edit this out, so we're just going to put him on so that I can talk. Okay. Can I keep that in? <laughs> yes, maybe, maybe women need to hear that. Like, hey, people. I know. I actually like it. We actually Fine. have humans we have to feed sometimes, so when you're all looking at us, like, you know, yeah. Keep whatever you'd like. So I uh, started a modest fashion Instagram um, because I was working for a nonprofit that did outreach um, with 
teens who were non-observant. And I made a sales pitch that I needed money to buy clothes to look good. And I mentioned as one of the fine print that I would maybe do something on social media. Um, they granted me, you know, some money to go shopping, but they said that, you know, we're really excited about the social media thing that you plan on doing. So I was like, great. That was a fine print thing that I was kind of hoping you wouldn't see. <laughs> so I started doing it. And um, when I started, I was actually pregnant with my daughter. So uh, my coworker used to joke, like, I didn't get the space on my hard drive that I requested, but she got money for maternity clothes. Um, and after my daughter was born, I really tried to keep up the social media. And once I saw that it was like really impossible and that I was totally just collapsing, um, I started sharing the fact that I was not handling well and people went nuts for it. They were just like, thank you for being normal. I was kind of jealous that you just like quote unquote bounced back and that you were handling everything and oh, cute coordinated outfits. Um, so that was about two years ago being that my daughter turned two last month. Um, and what once was a modest fashion blog then converted into um, lifestyle, but like real lifestyle, messy, um, not always fun, imperfect, which then converted into a blog, which then I was convinced to kind of turn into a podcast. Um, the Women of Valor podcast kind of highlights um, women who have, you know, found meaning through their struggles and, yep, and have uh, grown and try to balance, you know, as much as they possibly can um, while making sure to take care of themselves. So working off of your backgrounds and the incredible brands that you have built, what does your brand mean to you? So what does your brand stand for? If you had to summarize what your brand is, what is that? You so, know, do you mind if I just go first so that I just get it done and then run upstairs and try to put him to sleep again? Okay, great. So me, what my brand is, is you're not alone. You don't have to face your trials alone. We all have trials as much as, you know, social media seems to be perfect. Uh, we're all struggling. We all have our, have our things and we don't have to do it alone. And the brand is to try to create some sort of sisterhood, if you will, of people who don't have it all together and are embracing it and are totally cool with um, embracing the chaos and the imperfection. Um, I'll go up next. So um, for me, well, first of all, I'm talking about both of my businesses. So Boss Madel Podcast and Fine and Pink, the interior design business. But really, I've got the same goal for both of them. It's really to share my vision and my story. So if you follow me, I'll share my favorite recipes, my favorite books, my favorite beauty products, not because I am uh, someone who is an expert at everything, but because I'm a busy woman, a busy mom who wants to look nice and feel good and accomplish the most that I can. And so anything that I find helpful or positive, I try to share. Took me a while to really embrace, uh, especially with my design business, to really embrace my vision. I live in LA, which is the uh, the culture is very, uh, especially in design and in the arts, it's very predominantly mid-century modern, very clean lines, very neutral colors. And as someone who loves pattern and color and really embraces more of that uh, Southern traditional style, for a while I felt like I had to hide that in order to get clients. Uh, what I did realize is that on the contrary, once you really embrace who you are, you will find your tribe no matter what. So that has worked in my design business as well as the podcast. When I started, I had no idea who would listen to me and I've really cultivated 
you know, a nice community of women I, who message me all the time and email me. And it's, it's been really nice to see it grow. So I'm very proud of that. And um, I would, yeah, I would always advise people to, to kind of stay true to who you are and embrace yourself. And people will always, you know, um, people will appreciate that. They really will. So this is Yael. So it's funny that you asked that question because the the name itself, like the brand Jewish Latin princes, um, how it was born, it was actually like a reclaiming of a common stereotype, the Jewish American princes. And basically because I found that um, I, I wanted to reclaim that and I think I wanted to make a little bit of fun of that. And I had recognized as a Latin woman myself and working, as I said, with Spanish speaking women, women from Latin America, from Jewish communities, I found that women have tremendous affinity towards spirituality, especially women from Latin American countries. And that indeed, there is tremendous sensibility towards physical beauty. And it seems like we're all about the look and of everything and the aesthetics. But meanwhile, I, my theory is that that is rooted in a, in a, in a, deep sense of spirituality. And, and then over, you know, following that, if you ask me, you know, what is, what is the brown about? Because it's not definitely not just for Latin, Jewish, Latin women, but it's really about the beauty and the depth of Jewish life that everything, like Connie was saying before, I'm also a Lubavitcher. So for me, my life, the physicality and the spirituality are completely intertwined. And that's really what I communicate in everything. So in everything that we do in this physical world, there is spiritual beauty. And so the idea behind the brand and the idea of what I stand for is always to communicate the beauty and the depth of Jewish life and of Jewish womanhood and everything that that entails and represents. Wow. I'll just share a little bit about me for those who end up listening, who do not listen to the Francisca show normally. For me, uh, I'm a singer, producer, performer, and starting the podcast was sort of, I didn't know what I would do with it at first, but it ended up aligning, just like you said, Hani, with your, both of your businesses sort of have the same goal. So I sort of created this platform for the artists to, first of all, create a collaborative effort, a platform where everyone could share their story. Also, it created a lot of collaborative opportunities for the artists, but also educating the market. And then it was an opportunity for me to use my voice, not just for singing, but for sharing my thoughts and bringing other people's thoughts and ideas to one place. So that just sums that up. And I'd like to transition into a topic we talk about on the show all the time, and that's monetizing the brand. And we can transition before we talk about monetizing. Maybe first we could talk about how did you go from this being a hobby to something more serious? And if it's still a hobby for you, that's fine too. But how does that transition work? And how does it work for you in your mind? So if you want to start this one off here, maybe because I've been at it a little bit longer and I, it has definitely not been a straight path. So just get ready for this one. <laughs> it's not an easy thing to kind of like define, but just first, the initial question is, you know, like when, did, when did you understand that it wasn't a hobby? So I think, I think I started, once I started getting paid for promoting, comp- um, you know, brands or for speaking engagements or for affiliate relationships, et cetera, I knew that it wasn't a hobby. It was never just a hobby. Having said that, I, what many don't know is that I didn't necessarily start it off as 
with a clear business plan, like a super defined business plan in mind. And in fact, I've been, I've gone through several pivots within the brand. Like for example, in the early days, people saw on the blog, these beautiful parties that I made for my own children, right? And how I made everything, you know, have a beautiful Jewish message and so on and so forth. And all of a sudden I was getting hired to be a stylist, you know, for people's parties and do these great productions or being a stylist for photo shoots because people saw that I dress very fashionably and I have a good eye. And in fact, I, I also transitioned into interior design, like Connie's field, because I was naturally good at it. And I was involved in many, several big renovations and very lucrative projects. But at the same time, I'm also working as a writer and a speaker and a, you know, and a columnist. Um, so everything is happening in tandem. And I'm also starting to think of this idea of the podcast and producing this podcast. So at some point I had to, to kind of decide, you know, do I really want to be a stylist or a party planner when I grow up or even an interior designer and take an honest look at what do I really want to be and what do I really want to build? And it was super hard. Like I'll be the first one to tell you um, because all of these things are sort of happening in tandem and they're leading, they're like many doors that are opening up and you have to kind of choose, you know, you explore them a little bit. Not everybody does this. It's not, but some of us are more like that. Um, so I had to like, the key word was like focus, like say, okay, at the very, first of all, I gave up the parties for a while already for like a year or two. And then last year I had to say to myself, okay, for at least 2019, I'm not going to take any interior design clients. And I made a rule, like people would call me, I said, sorry, I'm not taking clients this year. And I'll just focus on Jewish Latin princes and my role as a communicator and as a speaker. And it happened to be that one of the areas that I kept finding people were expressing more and more interest and they were suggesting was a real pain point was their financial lives, which was really eye-opening for me because it was an area that I have much insight into because of my own personal experience with money, as well as my professional background. I have a degree in economics, I have a master's in business and so on. And then it, it all kind of started flowing from there. I said, one, one minute, maybe I should start focusing on this. And it's something that I'm very very excited about. So it's yet another pivot. But then again, it's like a part of me is like, oh my gosh, am I going to pivot again? But sometimes the roads don't need to be straight. You know, like you have, some people are born knowing what they want to do and what they want to be since they came out of the womb. And then there's some, I don't know if you guys ever heard about this term, the multi-potentialite. It's, and, and some of us are multi-potentialites. So, but it's not a hobby. It's never like I take it very seriously. I'm very professional about everything I do and about charging and making sure that I'm adding value and I'm, I'm getting paid for that value. Um, but when I started, I definitely did not know exactly where it was going to take me. I just knew that I had a voice, that I had what to share, that I was really good at it. And I just pursued it. And that opened different business opportunities. And then as I said before, I had to make this choice. I had to say, which one do I really want to go into? Which one do I, which one is the scariest one? I think that's a key question to ask yourself because that will lead you. Um, and what is the one, which one is the one that when I look back on my life, I say, wow, I'm really, really glad that I was able to use my talents and make such a positive contribution. And so it became very clear to me that it's not party design and it's not interior design, um, but it's definitely Jewish Latin princess. And very likely it's this area of really, helping women in, in that area of their life. It's, so it's, it's where I'm in the middle of the pivot. Um, but, um, you know, definitely not a hobby. Yeah, Elle, I can really relate to your answer. 
uh, I have a similar situation where, um, so of course my background is interior design, but I always say my real passion one day is to open a shop and I know exactly which street in LA and I'd love to go to Paris and get antiques. And, and that's really what I love. The one of a kind pieces, the, the thrill of the buy, the hours spent finding that bargain. Um, and a lot of interior design nowadays is kind of fast, quick, budget friendly. You can go online and get designer who can redo your home in one hour and get all your pieces from West Elm. Not that there's anything wrong with that, but my forte really is uh, the accessorizing, the art, the, the color, the patterns, and, and, and really finding all those pieces together. So that really would be my dream. Um, so having said that, of course, I still have to work right now. And so what I found is I'm a lot, a lot more picky with choosing the projects that I want to do um, and working with the clients that uh, really enjoy and embrace my style. Um, and that was a transition for me. So obviously when I started, I took any project possible um, and there were some pretty, you know, intense jobs that I did. Um, and now I'm kind of getting a little pickier so that I have more time to then, um, you know, pursue other interests such as the podcast. So I'm still, I'm like you in this kind of balancing act of like, where do I want to go with each one and how do I want to kind of take it? And I don't really have the answer right now, but I'm really enjoying the ride. I have to say. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so yeah, sometimes you don't have the answer right away. Um, I other, I also have this theory that if you keep pushing the same thing and it's not working, you have to try something new. So um, for me, that was looking at my interior design business and saying, okay, you know, taking tons of projects and working around the clock is not working for me. And it has not been working for me. And I need to take a step back and say, okay, what do I really enjoy? What do I love doing? And kind of working through that. So it's, it's been a journey and it, and, uh, it will continue to be, but it, it's, I'm enjoying it. So that's the main thing. Honey, I'm glad we're together in the journey. <laughs> yes, yes. And I don't mean to be rambling here, but I, what I, I guess I'm trying to say is sometimes there isn't necessarily a clear, direct answer that you have to kind of discover yeah. what will work for you. And it's a process. It is. And you know what? It's very important that I'm just going to then give the floor to Barry, but I think it ties on to Barry's um, role as an influencer in social media. It's so important to have this discussion because when we look at things on social media, it's very easy to think, oh, she was always doing that and she's so great at that. And you know, this whole myth of the overnight success, which we've discussed before, but, but the truth is it's the minority of people who really overnight knew exactly. For most people, a lot of opportunities opened up, they explored, they closed doors, they opened doors until they really found where they needed to be. And that's, that's life and that's okay. Trial and error. Yeah. Barry? Yes. All right. My turn. Um, very different from uh, Yal and Hani's story. I was working, like I said, I was working for a um, nonprofit for teen outreach. And by the end of the year, um, I was really not feeling well. Um, turns out that my Lyme came back, but I didn't know that yet. And I decided that it was way too exhausting for me, being that I spent the entire year taking my infant with me to different public school clubs, to different events. Like my daughter and I lived in our car. And she, by, by one month, she was already like a seasoned, you know, um, attendee to Jewish student union clubs. So by the end of that year, I was like, okay, cool. I am done. Um, I need a break. I need time to just take care of myself. And when I decided that I was on my last job at home and one of my um, coworkers, if you will, uh, his name is Rabbi Jacob Rupp. 
he was like, so what are you doing next year? I'm like, I don't know. Well, I have my Instagram, this and that. He's like, he had no idea what I was doing on Instagram. So I was like, good. Um, you don't need to know it's not for you. And he told me, well, you know, maybe you should really start a podcast. Um, and he has his own podcast. And I was like, what's a podcast? How do I get started? And within a month of him speaking to me about it, I was already recording episodes um, to launch. So my my um, podcast was released in July of 2018. And from the get-go, that was going to be my project for the year. So that was already going to be what was taking up my time with, you know, in conjunction with um, content creation and social media. Obviously, I got pregnant again and then had that in the middle. So I had two under two for, for the past little while. And thankfully, we're out of that out of that trench, but it's getting a little bit more complicated to figure out the time. So it started as almost like a job and now it's like a side gig and when can I fit it in and how is this going to work? So the more complicated life is getting, the more difficult it is for me to, you know, continue like knocking out content. Like people don't understand that recording and editing and producing podcasts takes a serious amount of time. Right. And they're just like, oh, what, what happened to your episodes? I'm like, oh, well, you know, I had a baby a week ago. So can you just give me a little bit of breathing room, please? <laughs> um, it, people don't understand what it actually takes out of you. And the scheduling that we had to do was a headache in itself. So mostly my fault. But <laughs> it just it just goes to show that like even though something is your passion, like you can't necessarily uh, get to it as much as you want, especially if it's not your only gig. But I think to Barry's point, I think it's a very valid point what she's saying. But to to just an encouragement for listeners that that is part of the ebbs and flows of women's life. You know, like that doesn't mean that Barry's not going to continue doing this, it might be that while her kids are little, sorry, I'm picking on you, Barry, right? It might, it, it, it's, it's taking, you know, it's more of a side gig, like she said, but then, you know, it happens overnight. I hate to sound, it's crazy, but like all of a sudden my kids are big and I can dedicate so much more time to everything I do. And I think back to when I started, it was like something I would pull at one in the morning. Right. Um, so it, she'll eventually maybe con So it just flows. It just flows with our lives. And I think it goes back to those conversations of the reality of the enormous responsibilities that we have and that things that we value. I mean, we want our families, we want to have a marriage, we want all these things for our life. And we still want to pursue that which fills us and that which feels like we're contributing to the world. And we just have to do it. Sometimes you can focus more on one area and sometimes you can focus less on it. But that, you know, that's that we have to be okay with that, I think. Right. No, for sure. As soon as, as uh, my son's able to go to daycare, you know, back on a regularly scheduled program once a week, God willing. But, you know, who knows? Okay. Uh, I love what you said. We lost two of our... <laughs> Yeah, Elle. <laughs> of course, it's my episode. <laughs> okay. We lost two. Okay, now just one. Okay, so it's one of those to... days where it's just like, OMG. Okay. Okay, uh, so we'll transition into monetizing. This could be a little tricky, but the women who come out onto this podcast, also the men, we go at it. And it's a difficult topic because podcasts is definitely not 
a money-making thing unless you have a brand that stands on the side that's already that already has its name meaning people don't go into podcasting to make money if they do make money usually it's a byproduct and it takes a lot of time so with this understanding just so everyone has a background on how podcasts work <laughs> how do you monetize okay so for me i'm i'm probably the newbie in this group I started this around February time, so I still haven't monetized anything yet on the podcast, although I do have some ideas in the works and I will be, um, soon I'll be introducing um, advertising and collaborations and all that. But I really wanted to build the podcast first and make sure I had a key audience and consistent uh, scheduling before I approach any you know companies for advertising or collaborations. Uh, in terms of my interior design business, when I started out, I'm laughing now at how much I charged. But what's funny is I charged so much less and yet I was so scared to charge that. Because when you're new and you think, you know, am I, am I worthy? Is, is this really the fair amount? I love doing this. And so it took me a couple years to really get to, um, a point where I felt comfortable charging, you know, what I felt was a, a decent amount. I go by an hourly fee. And um, when I meet a client for the first time, I pretty much tell them, you know, we signed a contract, we go through everything and I tell them exactly what that means. So um, I, this isn't a design podcast, but for example, um, just all the details, you know, if something goes wrong and we have extra hours that you weren't planning, how much do I charge for that? If you call me three times and send me six emails, do I charge you for that? If I'm in the car for an hour, do I charge you for that? So I think that's really important for any listeners out there who are in a creative field. Your time is still your time. And you might love what you do and you might want to help your clients, but you have to be able to charge for your time fairly. Otherwise, you will just not make enough money and then we get back into the job where it becomes a hobby. So, yeah, that, that was a learning process for me. But um, I'd say that's probably a key uh, factor is really learning how to charge for your time. Okay, so this is Yael from Jewish Latin Princess podcast and blog. The ways that I monetize um, Jewish Latin Princess Francisca are through affiliates, um, through sponsors, and then through writing and speaking engagements. Of those, obviously the most lucrative are the speaking engagements and the affiliates. Um, sponsorships, like Hani said, take a while. It takes a while, especially because podcasting isn't newer media, newer industry, particularly in the Jewish world. It's still, believe it or not, pretty new. Um, but, but yeah, those are my main uh, revenue sources. All right, Barry here. So when I started the podcast, I was already um, working with ads on my social media account. And what I did with my podcast was that I would have shout outs on my social media page that were to be included with ads on the podcast. So I was able to monetize it pretty quickly because I had another platform that had a high engagement. Um, and then once you know the stats got up and whatever, I was able to show people what they were getting. Uh, when it comes to um, content creators, uh, bloggers, if you will, it's a challenge because sometimes people understand the value that you're bringing to the table and some people don't. So sometimes people are great at saying, okay, that's your rate, fantastic. Some people say, you know, oh, we're not looking to pay, we're just looking to send you something. And some people say, oh, you're charging too little. I like the people who say you're charging too little. And most of the time, those are people from advertising agencies uh, because they're professionals and understand what bloggers are bringing to the table. But when it comes to the podcast, I've always had a set rate 
um, in which I would charge um, if somebody wants an ad and they know exactly what's going into it. And we have an agreement before. Um, and then when it comes to social media, I actually have like, I have contracts. We make it really legit. I have affiliates where I get a percentage of the sales that are made. And sometimes I collaborate with different brands creating items or products where the percentage is uh, significantly larger than if we were just doing a code or a link. And that's how I kind of monetize it. But still, I have to have another job because there's so many other people out there doing what I do. And some people do it for no money at all. So I do work in a Shiva as well, because I have to also pay my bills. And quite frankly, I can't pay my bills and dresses. You know, I love that you said that, Barry, because in the early days of blogging, um, when I first started, and I certainly worked with a lot of brands, um, you know, who paid me for sponsored content and all that. And one of the things that I was always very adamant about is like, no, 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 my children don't need a new pair of shoes. Like my children need tuition. So it's, it's hard for people to understand that I'm bringing some value to you this is my fee period. And just, just be very clear that this is, again, it's going back to the, is this a hobby or is this a business? And when you realize, no, you don't need another sweater. You don't need another makeup kit or your kid doesn't need more shoes. You need tuition money. Um, so it's important to say that for women, I think in particular, because sometimes it's so hard for women to own their, you know, say, I got to make money, period. And there's nothing wrong with that. You know, you're adding value, you know, be confident in what you bring to the table and charge accordingly. Somebody might buy and that's okay. That's part of business. That's their job <laughs> to say no or to negotiate. That's fine. That's their job. Do you spend money on advertising your brand? Meaning your brand, is that something that organically grows? It's something that ideally people like to think or imagine. If you look at any successful company out there, probably Coca-Cola is up there on the highest spending on their marketing and advertising. So. Clearly, if that's the most successful companies out there are advertising a lot, then it's not a bad thing. So I, when I started with the blogging, I would provide free shout outs of different companies that I was wearing. And, and the niche that I was aiming for is I was aiming to highlight solely Jewish brands. So a lot of people promoting Zara, ASOS, all those things. I wanted to highlight, you know, female entrepreneurs and, and brands that are Jewish brands that we could support. So by doing that, there was, there was a um, reciprocal like type of exposure. And then I would receive free product. And for me, depending on how large the company was, that could have been, you know, mutually beneficial. They would receive promotion from me. I would receive promotion from them. So the type of advertising I did didn't necessarily mean that I was paying money, but I was putting in like sweat in order to get that type of exposure on their end. Um, I, I was working, you know, and I was working for different companies at no fee. And by doing that, I was able to get advertising. And then, and then it kind of turned into word of mouth. Um, I was a public profile and now, now it's a, now it's a private profile. So um, I used to actually do paid ads on Instagram for people to see me. But since I'm no longer a business accountant, I'm on private because I'd rather keep it to um, a female only audience. Mm. I can't do that anymore. So it's more of word of mouth, um, shout outs, you know, tagging companies that'll tag me back um, type of thing. 
interesting could i just mention that it's cool to see someone who's not a performing artist who is limiting herself to female only audiences it's a choice it's not something that halakha is telling you to do yes it's a choice and it was a choice that i made it was not a choice that my husband made i made it i asked my husband he was like what why would you do that so i explained it to him he's like oh i guess whatever you want okay or uh, so for me, in terms of the podcast, um, I don't spend money on advertising yet, uh, but I do get a lot of help because when I do interview someone, they will promote the podcast multiple times. So they'll share something on their Insta stories, um, they'll share their picture, and I get a lot of listeners that way. So that's been really beneficial and helpful to me. And then in terms of interior design, it's really word of mouth. So there was a time when I was doing three neighbors' houses. Like I'd go from one to the next to the next. And that's what's worked for me. Okay, so this is, yeah, Elle, similar to what's been said before. I also don't spend money on advertising. I... The, I mean, for the for the podcast, in a way, it's very easy because of the fact that it's an interview show. So usually we are helping each other, right? Because my guest usually promotes what, you know, the episode and so on and so forth. So it's a beneficial relationship in that regard. I, I So I don't spend uh, money directly on, you know, Facebook ads or Instagram. And, uh, no. Um, now, in terms of branding, which you mentioned it before, Francisca, um, I, I, th- I think something that I'd like to mention here is that I personally, you know, I could probably work on my branding a whole lot and it's always in the back of my mind, but you know, sometimes you, we have to make business priorities and you have to get to a place and in reach and in impact and certainly in cash flow that warrants working on the brand. Like, I, I feel like many female entrepreneurs invest a whole lot at the beginning in branding when they really don't have the clients yet. And, you know, it's like we were having a conversation before in a previous episode about, you know, the bar and the perfectionist ideal. And here's an area where I think good enough and maybe even a little bit less than good enough is totally okay. Like prove yourself, show the world, you know, what your value is, who you're selling to and work on that day in and day out from the beginning. Otherwise, you're not going to be building a business. You'll just have a hobby that looks very well branded and very pretty. So I don't want to disregard the branding. I think it's important. It's an important part of business, but I think it needs to be put into perspective. Uh, it's kind of what, what comes first, the chicken or the egg, right? Well, cash, cash flow comes first. <laughs> That's my... Can I, I agree. I realized I didn't actually address the podcast part. Because I have a, a social media following, I am able to self-promote. I have two separate Instagram accounts, one for Woman of Valor, one for the Bariana account. And on my Bariana account, I'm able to promote the podcast. And I think that's why I was able to get a um, larger followership in a, in, a, in a relatively quick amount of time was because I already had people watching. So when you have a large group of people watching, you say, hey, this is a project that I'm doing. Uh, that's how I, I, so I guess I kind of advertised on my other business and that's how I did ads. Those are all awesome. Can I add to what you said? Just because I, I really agree with the idea of you can spend hours and hours trying to get the perfect shot for Instagram and sometimes it's worth it and sometimes it's not. So you really have to make that call. Like, do I have to do A, B and C today? And do I really want to spend three hours 
trying to get that perfect angle? Or can I just move on, maybe do an Insta story for a minute and then get back to my business? So I'd like to change the tone of the, of the episode. I want to go into some, call it horror stories, okay? Everyone has <laughs> their trial and error, uh, especially with podcasts when you interview other people. There are amazing or horrible stories that happen. So, and I'll combine it with something else, negative feedback, okay? So you could choose, you could speak about both, you could choose one if one is more interesting and juicy than the other. But I'd like to hear how your brand or how you handle dealing with just terrible clientele, like interviewees, or your audience. So I can go first. Um, I'll share a story with uh, my design business where uh, we ordered this really expensive wallpaper and uh, it was going to go on a ceiling and I had this installer I used for years and years. He was really great, but something was off that week. Something happened in his family. He was stressed out, but he wasn't communicating that to me. So he hung up the wallpaper and there were, it was a very graphic pattern and there were parts that were uneven. So he took a Sharpie, a red Sharpie and tried to fix it, but it was rusty. So what it looked like was someone had bled all over the ceiling. Um, wallpaper oh is really gosh. expensive to put up and twice and it, it's a fortune to take down. Uh, that was a moment when I went, Oh my goodness. Yeah, it was hard. Uh, trying to navigate that situation. You know, you feel bad for the client in a way I feel bad for him. Something was going on with his life, but something had to be done. And as women, it's tough to try to negotiate through difficult situations. And that was a real learning point for me. In regards to the podcast, I've gotten great feedback, and I've been lucky enough to have really nice interviewees. Uh, the one theme that I keep receiving in terms of, I would say it's, it's not criticism, it's more constructive criticism, is that audiences would like to hear more of a, a wider age range, age range of people that I interview. So not necessarily young women in their 20s or 30s, but um, some older women who have perspective and, you know, have, have seen things throughout the years. So that's something that I'm going to try to incorporate into future episodes. All right. So Barry here. The first episode I launched, um, I actually had like a total meltdown the night before. I went on my Instagram to talk about it and I actually started crying. I started ugly crying on a live thing with a few hundred people watching. It was really exciting. And after I launched it, I was like, oh my God, my baby just, just, just went out. What do I do? And I had a few people contact me. The whole premise was, does the woman of valor still exist? That was the first episode. And people were like, listen, I really think you need to ask a rabbi a question because you may be speaking heresy right now. And you might be borderline a heretic. And I was like, what? So I had to like run and call my rabbi. And I was like, here's the clip. Listen to this. Is this heresy? He he was like, not heresy, presumptuous, but not heresy. <laughs> so that was like my first experience with people with with my first um, podcast episode. But after that, we've discussed some pretty intense topics. One of the most recent uh, topics I actually released, you know, when I have time to release them, is uh, questioning God. Um, it's usually topics that I don't think are addressed enough. Uh, that I try to tackle. So a lot of people usually just thank me for doing that. Um, the, the stuff that people aren't usually uh, discussing openly are, are the things that I choose to uh, prioritize on my podcast. Yeah. So horror stories. I'm thinking about the podcast. Um, you know, there's always this one episode where like your guest's sound is terrible, even though like, <laughs> 
you tried to explain the importance of sound because this is a an audio show, right? Uh, things like that. Um, I I have gotten like. You know, you, you get things from time to time. Like I got a nasty comment one time about a guest who I chose to interview. And I validated this person. But you know what? At the end of the day, I am the curator of the show. And I have to make the, those choices and those decisions. I also got once a, a very nasty message, not directed at me, but directed direct at the person who I had interviewed. But it was on my website. So because I have the liberty and I, to control the, it wasn't on social media. It was on my website. I have the ability and liberty and the right to control what is on my platform. I made the choice to not approve that comment because it's not a platform for negativity. This, I didn't even need to know the Lashonhara, the, the ill, you know, speech about this person. Why am I getting in? What, why is she bringing me into the middle of their, whatever they were going through or had gone through in the past kind of thing, you know? So I just literally said, I, poor soul that she's still carrying such anger and I didn't need to be brought into this. So I deleted it. So that was just, you know, interesting experiences that you don't expect to have, but, uh, but you know, they happen. And recently when I got hired to go on the, uh, to go speak at the national Jewish retreat in Washington, DC. So when it was made public and the brochure went out and whatever, I got somebody sending, like gave me a really nasty comment in public. Like one of those that you're like, where did that come from? You know, and everybody was floored and nobody could say anything because this person was an elder, an older person in the, com the community where I lived in, live in. And I just handled it with grace. And, you know, I, it's something that I learned from my mother that I always say is like, don't take things personal. They hardly ever really are. Like, you don't know what's going on in that person's life, you know, what triggered them. Um, and at the end of the day, also, in terms of our work, I think this is very relevant as creatives and as content creators, not everybody's going to like or find meaning and what or connect or resonate with what you're doing and your voice. And that's okay. You just have to find the people who do, you, you know, you are adding value to some people's lives. So I think focusing on that and on the positive, it's, it's, it's very helpful. Um, and, you know, taking also the criticism, like, okay, I guess God wanted me to hear this comment right now, you know, it's humbling. It's like, what do I, what did I need to learn from this, you know, and have grace and humility, I think. <laughs> a lot of the criticism that I've received has been relatively anonymous. Um, and you can't really tell who it's coming from and who they are. And I use um, Brene Brown's um, ideology of like, if you're not in the trenches with us, like Correct. you're, you have no place here. Like, I don't need to listen to you. I don't, you, your comments and your thoughts have no weight in my mind. Show yourself, show your face, then say your piece, and then maybe we can have a discussion. Yeah, then but we'll you have won't. a conversation. Right? What are they criticizing, Barry? Well, a lot of it's on social media for me. Um, the way that I'm a mother was something that was really attacked once. Oh, my by like goodness. A, by a, wow. No, because of my body language. Is that crazy? What? My arm what wasn't, wasn't placed on my daughter, and I was expecting, so clearly I wasn't ready to have another child. So... And I was very irresponsible. And my husband is a saint, but he's also very irresponsible for allowing me to get pregnant too again. And I should really work on my relationship with my daughter before I decide to get 
pregnant and have another baby. <laughs> this is this is when you have to say, okay, empathy. What is yes. going on with this person? Okay. Besides Move on. <laughs> so reading into somebody else's body language. Totally. I also think sometimes, you know, if somebody's suffering suffering from infertility or loss or whatever else they're dealing with, uh, if if there's somebody who's pregnant, you know, that could be already sensitive and hurtful. But then if they're acting all pregnant as well, that adds to it. So I, I found that having those sensitivities after dealing with my miscarriage, I feel like I don't think I should ever touch my belly in public ever again, you know, just for that random comment that we're talking about today. Can I um, add one thing? I'm always yeah. back to my one point, but, uh, you know, we're talking about criticism and, and I was thinking of something, you know, you can get it from listeners or viewers, but often we are our own worst critics. I think one of the yes. hardest hurdles I faced when starting this podcast was hearing myself, you know, also interviewing. It's a skill. It's not something I'd ever done before. So my first couple episodes were like, oy vey. And I think just for any listeners out there who want to start something and they're scared or they're like, I'm just not good enough. Well, you'll get good enough if you practice and you put yourself out there. So work through that criticism. Keep going. It's okay. We've all been there. And I just want people to know that. Don't be afraid to share your voice and your thoughts. There's never a good time. Just go for it. And you'll get better as you go. Thank you, Connie, for that. Because I think often as women, we totally overthink things. Just do it. <laughs> Take a deep breath and dive in. You'll get better at it, like you said. Yep. That's great. I think we're perfectly transitioning into our last bit of the podcast. So we're going to have three things. One, let's start with practical branding tips and advice. I always go first, so I feel I bad here. <laughs> go ahead. Um, Barry, you want to go first? Yeah, just because he's quiet right now. Go for it. <laughs> so for me, branding is all about figuring out what your message is and who you're trying to target with that message. So if you're trying to get a certain demographic and you have to just, number one, ask yourself, if, is, is your message in line? with that. And whenever you're creating content and whenever you're um, producing anything, is it still in line with that original message? And is that still delivered? Like, are you delivering that to the same type of person that you're aiming towards? If you're trying to shoot so that everybody will listen to your podcast or everybody will see whatever it is you're creating, you won't get anywhere. Finding a niche, finding, finding the people that you want to reach I think is the key. Like if you go to a restaurant and there's too many items on the menu, people just leave. It's the place that has the specialties and they're good at that. That's what they're good at. They're excellent at making fries and pizza. That's where they go. Not to the, sorry, not to the place that sells Chinese and burgers and falafel and schnitzel all at the same time. Good point. So um, I, I agree with that. And I'll follow um, second with, with my response. I'm not a branding expert by any means. I'm still figuring it out as I go along. In fact, I'm going to be redoing my website. Um, but what I have learned is, is what Barry's saying is just be true to who you are. So I, for example, I love to read. So I recently started putting a lot more reading recommendations on my Instagram page. 
um, on my boss middle Instagram page and I'm going to start interviewing some authors. And first I thought, wait, that's not really what I'm about. I was working with women entrepreneurs and, but then I thought, okay, this is something that's a huge part of my life. I love doing it. And it really resonated with listeners. People started giving me feedback. Like I love that book you posted. What happens at the ending? I read this book twice, try this book, read this one. And so it created a conversation. So for me, it's anything that pulls people in. Also people are seeing like thousands of images a day. So if you can get someone to stop and really take a look at your page or, you know, um, write you a comment, that's a big thing. So for me, it's creating a sense of community, engaging people, even if it's a smaller number, but, but they're your core audience. That's really important for me. Yeah, I'm going to tag um, on that one because I, it just reminded me, I started recently this year actually doing the same thing. Like I'm a bookworm, right? And I just started every month, I put a blog post with the books that I read. And guess what? People really, really love it. I love um, them. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, honey. So I think it's a combination, like Connie said, and a little bit what Barry said, of combining who you are and also what do people want and, and, and feeling that. So what I would say more specific to that is, goes back, yes, you have to be authentic and you have to be yourself. Like we said before, some people will love you. Some people, you're not there, you know, and that's fine. I mean, you don't, you're not friends with everybody in the world, right? You have a few good friends or whatever, right? But um, so yes, the authenticity and all that being yourself, but then, you know, knowing who your audience is, I think a lot of what's really important here is to listen to to listen to them, listen to the feedback, listen to the emails that come in, be engaged. Like I try to really be very good about the conversation, about responding to my emails, responding to my social media messages, the DMs and all that, and really get a feel for what's resonating with them and, and, and asking more questions. Oh yeah, you did like it. What did you like about that? So I think a lot of that, and maybe that's because I'm coming from like as a communicator, but I find that really probably is a, that's a good branding tip. <laughs> Great. And okay, so the next one sort of takes us full circle from where we started. But first, I'd just like to thank one of our sponsors. ShopDrop is an iPhone app that lists every sample sale in New York. So if you want to buy designer clothes without breaking the bank, go to your iPhone and download the ShopDrop app today. And we're back. Okay, so the next one sort of takes us full circle from where we started. Everyone said how they started their brand and we all ended up in podcast format. What makes you unique? Okay, so we're all interviewing Jewish women, which is niche as it is. So what is your brand? What is your message, as Barry said? If you could sum it up into like one sentence, so we could just differentiate ourselves from each other to our audience. Also show to ourselves how we're branding ourselves, how our message and our brand represent something unique. I like to take listeners along um, on the emotional journey behind someone's success. So there are business podcasts out there that talk about marketing and, and branding and, and, you know, um, but what I really like to talk about is the person's emotional journey, their struggles or triumphs, what makes them tick, how they balance it all, or if they do balance it all, or if that's even a myth. So all those components and women, I've so far the interviews I've, that I've interviewed have been phenomenal about really sharing their entire journey. 
So I'm going to break the rule and I'm not going to answer this in one sentence. I don't think. (laughs) I don't think Connie did. Yeah, I cheated. (laughs) Great. Thanks, Connie, for doing that, leading the the way. (laughs) I'm going to follow. So I think I would say that one of the things that makes me unique and the show unique and the brand unique, it's that that I hear often from, from listeners and readers, et cetera, is that I tend to be a very positive person and a very positive voice. Um, I think that they appreciate that I'm able to focus on the beauty of the content, on the lessons, on, and I'm able to spin conversations in a positive way very and find depth and meaning in, in, in the conversation. Very often, I do not always have observant Jewish women on my show by any means. And one of the feedback that I get very, very often, both from listeners and from my guests, is the my ability to transform this conversation into one that had such depth and meaning that they didn't even exist, know existed in their line of work and how inspiring it was for them themselves to hear how it does connect to their Jewish roots and their Jewish values. But I think that's a really special thing that, that, that you'll find in my show that, um, you know, it's, I, I love it and it, uh, it's what I do. That's why they call me the Jewish Oprah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Barry here. I basically go on my podcast and discuss things that I want to know. And I'm under the assumption that I'm not the only one that needs to know and is wondering the same thing. And the main punchline is, and I've said this in another episode, you're not special and you're not alone. We all have things we're dealing with. We all have challenges. We all have amazing things about us. You know, we all have stories. And sometimes we share the stories and we just need to become a little bit more vulnerable with each other and be more comfortable. Back in the day, everybody used to live close to each other and in the same quarters and sisters and aunts and, and cousins were all together and could help each other with the burdens. Now we have, we have like walls and walls and walls between us and, and miles upon miles and it's not the same. So I'm trying to create sort of this like digital type of, tribe and camaraderie that like, listen, there may be walls between us, but we can, we can communicate uh, between those walls and share things with each other to help each other uh, keep moving forward. Yeah, that's beautiful. And I'll share my end just to wrap this up and make this all inclusive. My podcast, as Yael mentioned, it's not just for the audience and it's also part of the journey. I also feel like I'm servicing and creating a platform for the artists. I think the Jewish artists and creatives have a maybe illegitimate, quote unquote, uh, space professionally slash in the Jewish community and creating a category for them where they're legitimized or they're on a platform, they're in a database and getting all these women in one place, whether they're visual artists, dance school owners, or filmmakers, fashion designers, they're all in the creatives part. And I think as much value as we are trying to educate the Jewish community as how hard they're working and how they need the support of the Jewish community, I think we're also, we're doing as much for the artists because they're able to share their story for many of them for the first time and get that legitimacy. I'm not saying that's for everyone. A lot of them come on and they've shared shared their stories many times. But very often they're fighting an uphill battle, just being legitimate in terms of what they're doing because it's so different and it's so out of the box. And for many of them, it's 
Not that it's halakhically not okay, but it's questionable in terms of their community norms and standards. So yeah, so thank you so much for being on the show. I feel like we got an in-depth analysis and forte of how us women do it, how you women do it. And so many of our listeners are in this category with us. And I think there's a lot to learn. I think one of the most important things we've learned here is how this is a journey. It's not something that you wake up knowing, oh, I'll be a podcast host. Oh, I'll build a brand when you're two years old. It's more of something that might shift and pivot many times throughout your life. And there's a lot of opportunity. And it's about keeping your eyes open, seeing opportunity, letting go of fear, jumping in, getting it done, doing it, trying it, and thereby inspiring others to do the same. Oh, let's go around and say how you could find each podcast. Okay, so thank you so much for, for having me on the show. Uh, so you can find me at Boss Madel on Instagram. Or uh, my design work is www.fineandpink.com. I have also Instagram page, Fine and Pink, but I have not updated that. So I, I should. Now that we've talked about branding, that's happening. <laughs> but really, you can really find me on Instagram under Boss Madel. And uh, I have a fun time hanging out there. Francisca, thank you so much. This was so much fun. Um, you can find me at jewishlatinprincess.com. And the podcast is Jewish Latin Princess on iTunes and every other podcast platform. Um, and I'm on Instagram at Yael Trush. Barry Mitzman, find me on Instagram at Barriana, B-A-R-I-A-N-N-A. Uh, my blog is Barriana.com. My podcast is called Woman of Valor. And the podcast website, though you can listen to it on your favorite podcast listening app, is thewovlife.com. Thank you so much for having us, Francisca. And thank you for being patient <laughs> with each and every one of us. Yes, listeners, I just want to add, uh, while this was happening, so Barry had her adorable baby, and my husband was in the kitchen trying to make lunch, and the toaster oven was beeping, and the drawers were opening, and I guess this is what real life is all about, right? Keep Keeping it real. Hey, so if you feel like you got value by listening to the show, and you enjoyed this show and other episodes, please go to iTunes and leave this show a good five-star review with a comment. It helps others find the show. Also, do check out the other episodes on this podcast and stay tuned for a No More Silence special that's coming out next week in addition to other updates that I post on my Instagram stories every day. So make sure to follow me at Francisca Music. And please write to me with your suggestions and requests. I always love hearing from you. And have a good winter and see you next time. Okay, here's the situation. Our daughter Mia is leaving for her first sleepover. We have friends coming to stay and we just got a puppy. So I go on Instacart and solve everything in one order from Kohl's. Fun PJs for Mia. Oh, new bedding for the guest room. And a vacuum cleaner that actually picks up pet hair. All delivered in as fast as 30 minutes. With Kohl's on Instacart, there's no such we can't fix. Visit instacart.com to get free delivery on your first three orders. Offer valid for a limited time. $10 minimum order. Additional terms apply.